Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the What For podcast, the podcast that asks exactly that. I loved this episode. Um, It was a chat with a friend of mine, Jamie Brown, who is a poet and an absolute sweetheart. I'm also sad that this conversation is so relevant. We chat about Jamie, about his poetry, his creativity, um, but a real big reason for getting him on and a um, a really important fact on why we need to listen to people like him is that Jamie lost his dad to COVID um, early on in the pandemic Um, and losing a parent at any time is never a simple process but when that happens due to something avoidable something uh, that politicians are cocking up left right and center that has so many political implications and that appears in the news every single day can't be easy. And Jamie opened up about what that's been like for them. And I know we are saturated with COVID news, but this isn't news. This is a conversation with a really good friend of mine who was kind enough to let us in. So I hope Uh, you can take what I did from this conversation um, and and enjoy a few jokes. He's he's not the most macabre or depressing individual to speak to and uh, and he's a legend. So um, thank you, Jamie, and and I hope you enjoy uh, the latest episode of the What For podcast. It's always a bit weird interviewing a mate, but it's also like, it's nice because you get to ask questions that like, you don't get to ask otherwise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, this is our scenario. But let, let's, let's start with like a normal one. How, how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay, I'm okay, thank you. Where are we up to now? Uh, yeah, Sunday in Bristol, Sunday evening to be exact, and uh, I've a bit of a strange time really I guess I've, I've been in this house for nearly a year now but most of that I spent back at my mum and dad's or my mum's <laughs> they moved down to uh, the east coast of Essex to a little place called Mersey Island um, it's like Merseyside but instead of a Y you put an A on the end right and it's one of these tiny little islands uh, around the estuary that you can only reach by road, but the road floods at high tide. So it's got a sort of a weird, like slightly magical, slightly, what the fuck are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, to it. yeah, completely. <laughs> and 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 how's that? What's, what, how's that going? Yeah. So um, obviously we, we ended up back there because because Dad passed away uh, on the 29th of March. Um, and he was supposed to be sort of putting his feet up and retiring at the, at the sort of end of April. Um, 
So that so it's a bit different. It's not quite what was planned. <laughs> um, Sli- slightly it, off the mark. Yeah, exactly. It was it was it was going to be a little bit different. Um, but actually, I don't know. In a really horrible circumstances, um, it was like very nice being so close to my mum and brother. We just took it upon ourselves to drink loads of nice booze and eat lots of nice food. That seemed to be like the kind of the mission. <laughs> uh, and then subsequently played a lot of board games. If Dad hadn't died, it would have been like a really, really nice time. <laughs> it would have been like an extended Christmas. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I wonder if that's like maybe what we were basing it on. I think that's what like extended family time, the kind of point of reference now is is Christmas. So we're just like, let's just, let's act like it's that again. <laughs> and then and then it'll be fun. And there's, fun. there's almost something nice about like the permission to just indulge. And, and I'm sure of any time, I mean, I've got a weird thing that I actually find funerals to be like really beautiful, like like the the funerals that I've been to, because everyone goes, "You're allowed to do what you want," and it's kind of like <laughs> Christmas. It's like that you've got your green light to like you got to be nice and you got to let people do their thing. But like if you're if you want to cry in the pub, cry in the pub. If you want to like neck a couple whiskeys, neck a couple whiskeys, and and like. It, it's it's I, I I don't know if it sounds morbid to you, but but it's it sounds like you've like taken that and and you almost made it a, a, a season of it. Yeah, I think I suppose we did really. Um, I don't. I'm sure there isn't a right a right or wrong way to do funerals, and so I think we had like I'm trying to remember like like one of the really bizarre, slightly sort of uh, beautiful moments that we had was was driving. Driving to the to the crematorium, we had we tried to like just not have overly depressing music playing in the car, and not particularly uplifting day. Mm. Um, I think we had call me out on at one point, just trying to lift the mood just for the last like couple of minutes before we got there. It's like, how can we do this in a way that is going to be like a sort of reminder of like the joys of someone's life, um, and also make sure that you can like sort of turn up without like your face is streaming. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that was like a hard day and, and to have sort of the antidote of corny, happy music uh, might have gone a long way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely was. Definitely, well, definitely was. I'm, I'm, I'm in two minds uh, about this interview uh, catch-up call um, <laughs> because I, I, I usually start um, every interview asking people what their story was. I think I will. I think I, like it's just another normal interview. I'm I'm really excited to like connect with you. I feel really relieved that you're like from the beginning really open to talking to me about like the bits that hurt and the bit and like the I mean you're a storyteller. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> I like that doesn't stop even though the reality of your story is a bit painful at the moment. Yeah. Um yeah, no, definitely do me. Do, do me just like you do anyone else. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jamie, you tart. Um, okay. Right. So, I don't know. Do, how, how do people normally respond to that question? Um, no, no, no. But... I'll, 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 do, I'll do you now. So, so basically, okay. like, I fully trust in your, your storytelling capabilities. Um, and with that, a lot of people have a story 
that they grow up with that forms their idea of purpose, helps them make sense of the world, whether it's religious or spiritual or familial. And I was wondering, what were the stories or the story that you grew up with that helped you make sense of the world early on in your life? I'm not sure I ever had a particularly firm grasp of <laughs> the world or, or, or my place in it, um, particularly not in, in the wonderful awkwardness of teenage years. When I think about growing up, mostly I remember car journeys, driving with my dad. Um, and my dad was, later it turns out, largely into slightly sort of cheesier rock and roll. But also, thankfully, going back through his record collection, discovered some slightly more interesting stuff than just the Eagles. Um, <laughs> and uh, I can remember um, mostly driving the car dad sort of drumming along on the steering wheel with the music too loud and then me like belting out uh the lyrics to every song like as best i could a lot of the eagles where we kind of duetted um uh hendrix and me kind of like trying to work out all the words even when like robert plant was sort of gargling them in a way that like sounded amazing but i didn't really know what they were from that time of like, I don't know, I think when I, when I was younger, when I was at primary school, like I used to be able to sing pretty well. Um, and I, I think I loved sort of showing off with it. And I could show off to my dad in the car and that was great. And then I could show off to my teachers in school assembly and that was great because I definitely wasn't very good at sport. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, but dude, was... preaching to the choir, buddy, preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> um but clearly liked some sort of form of validation without knowing, <laughs> knowing what that was and that made me kind of like love the sound of words and then other bits of growing up I can remember uh I don't know I, I think I had like some sort of weirdly like probably from watching too much Disney and Power Rangers uh like not hero complex but like some sort of hoping or wishing that I might know right from wrong and then realize that actually just you didn't need to be a, a hero or anything you just need to be nice to people um and i think rather than tv i got that from my mum uh and dad so thrust into teenage years with a bit of a self-righteous <laughs> chip on my shoulder somewhere and a sort of introverted need to, <laughs> to be heard it sounds like what you're saying is that singing in the car and to your teachers, and growing up with your ma and your pa taught you to be a nice show-off. Absolutely. <laughs> like, were there any other kind of components of how you've got to where you are today that kind of um, shaped your sense of, of what was important? I think um, my mum and dad's relationship is, wow, I feel like I've got two pretty key protagonists in the story so far. <laughs> I'll alternate between them and see how it goes. Um, yeah, my mum and dad's uh, kind of perspectives as a as a team, um, I think, is kind of like I'm reflecting on it. Is has taught me a fair bit. Whereas um, I don't think I ever knew my mum when she was working to like go to bed before about one in the morning, and then would always like be up and kind of ready for work from like six years or something. Like mum just loved working um and had a job that she 
really enjoyed. I don't know where she got it from, but that was kind of like a very obviously her thing. Unbelievably organized, uh, which is a skill I didn't inherit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whereas my dad, dad was an engineer. He liked um, problems and he liked fixing things and he liked solving issues. He liked logic. He'd like find like an old thing that could be fixed and would kind of obsess over it for afternoons at a time. He worked hard at his job and he likes the bits that involved the interesting stuff. But um, like my dad, for example, you, you, his, <laughs> you, you, there would have to be a very, very good reason to not catch him in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Where, even even in, it, oh was he one of those dudes who um who wore shorts in winter? Yeah, you'd catch my dad. Oh no, Jamie! He'd be he'd be shorts in winter with a jacket on. No wonder you're um, such an alpha. <laughs> Not at all. It's, it's kind of like dad's like uh, it's it was it was that it was it was shorts it was shorts and it was like very loud like loud colourful short sleeve shirts like the collection of really horrible hawaiian type shirts that my dad had in his in his wardrobe was amazing because because he'd wear them and he he did it in like a sort of a i really don't give a shit what you what you think i look like uh wearing a hawaiian shirt in winter um and that was kind of some pubs you'd walk into and people would raise eyebrows and and I think that was part of the charm of it really <laughs> people didn't really know what to do because it's this, this sort of 60 year old man wandering around in shorts and wine tops in winter um but completely uh like not self-aware about it I think he thought maybe they were they were giving him a look to be like oh hi how are you <laughs> and, and he'd sort of take that as a cue to speak to people so I think in terms of how that, uh, maybe back to me, not the shirt wearing so much, but more like the difference between um, approaches of head down and work really, really hard versus work smarter, not harder. Not that he did that either. I think he just worked really hard at things that he liked, had a bit of a lasting impact on me. And that's probably why I've basically pissed about and done so many random little jobs in the last five years uh very very short tolerance for <laughs> crap jobs which i've still ended up having lots of rather yeah, than just yeah one. man I, I i i sympathize entirely <laughs> um yeah i think my, my mission for this year is uh try commit to something <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just once just try it so basically what what i what i've like chiseled away from that is that you are a nice show up. Uh, and it's, I mean, to be honest, it sounds like your dad was the same. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's um, there's some really amazing photos that we pulled out of an album. He'd organised like a karaoke thing. I think me and him had tried to do a, a duet or something. I don't know what it was. We tried to sing together and we're clearly both pretty battered. But there's like a series of three photos where like we're sort of singing together. And then there's one, me sort of pulling a face as my dad's sort of taking over 
And then there's me like in fits of hysterics as he's like clearly belting out a high note, all taken within like seconds of each other. So yeah, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of beautiful. And what would you say was your, your story now? Like where, where are you finding purpose today? I mean, obviously what happened last March with the loss of your dad has no doubt. And I've, and I've seen you on the news and on, um, and I've spoken to you and, and losing a parent is always going to shape the life of anyone. But with the cause of that being COVID it brings like a whole new spin on things. And I was wondering how with that in mind, you would describe your story now. It's been a really weird, a weird year. So you're right, dad died of COVID uh, at the end of March. So it was pretty early, early doors in that club um, and come April joined this group COVID-19 Bereaved Families for Justice and been calling for this public inquiry or at least just a review of uh, uh, with so many people dead now um, yeah not something I chose <laughs> no 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 um, I mean no of the cause certainly wasn't chosen but but how how you step forward? I I don't know. Would you describe it as a choice, the way because you've as you said, and, and I remember discussing with you how how you personally um, had decided that you were going to kind of put your energy into this. So that there there I don't know. Would you describe yeah. that as kind of an unavoidable unavoidable conclusion of who of how you would react to it, or or maybe there was a choice. I don't know. You okay? No, you, you're probably right. Um, so I got involved with the group when there were 14 members and now we've got 2,500, I think. Uh, and, I, and I found it because it was, it was sort of April time and I was just Googling. I, I kind of couldn't believe that there wasn't other people in the UK who'd, who have even like me, who'd lost someone they really loved um, and wanted to do more than find a space to grieve, but like actually... I guess organize and call people out. Uh, so you didn't, basically, I mean, for a sort of selfish reason of, I really couldn't stand watching those um, press conferences where the ministers got up and told us what a wonderful job they've been doing. Like it killed me every day and it was so triggering. And I knew that they weren't and that lots of people were dying and lots of people were gonna feel like me. I, I think for me, it didn't really feel like just covering my ears and blocking it out was an option anymore. Cause I've been trying to do that for a couple, like a month or so after that died. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't really keep it out. And I went on Facebook and I found these uh, like various other groups. There's a thing called the, the Yellow Hearts group. It's other bereaved relatives who are looking for a space to sort of share stories and comfort people. And what they do is wonderful and it's so important. But um, I don't know. For me, it, it just felt a, it wasn't angry enough for me. It didn't, it didn't really, it didn't, it didn't reflect what I was feeling. Um, that it wasn't it wasn't an accident it wasn't it was a it's a like a disaster a tragedy but it wasn't it wasn't accidental there were choices that led us here um and i couldn't really escape that so yes i i chose i chose to get involved with the group um because with whatever energy i had left i um i thought rather than keep it to myself i, I had enough space and time to try and do something with it and lots of people don't have that. Um, 
space for time and it's a bit of a luxury I guess to be able to um but uh I guess hoping that in doing so may at some stage um keep people some people safe or at least give some people some hope that uh they can get some answers really because that's what everyone's looking for um so yes I guess that has certainly shaped the story of this year I I, I don't think I will ever unbecome someone who's lost someone as I see it to the choices of the people who were elected to represent me and 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 my country um yeah so that's probably going to be a factor until I'm not here anymore and how does that feel uh you might not have a word for it um and no hmm. I think I'm curious I'd, I'd like to work out what the word is <laughs> how does that feel um really heavy really really heavy it's such a weight like I people keep asking me sometimes if it's like cathartic um to be a part of it if it feels like it's giving me closure or that that's like a good thing to be able to put my energy into um but it's so it's so exhausting um and it's exhausting welcoming new members to the group. It's exhausting uh, reciting the stories off for, for strangers, really, in, in the hopes that people will listen. Um, it's exhausting seeing the reaction that normal people give to people talking about the loss of their loved one, um, kind of condemning them as, as um, politically motivated agitators or trolls or trying to like uh just hate on a on a government of the day um yeah it's not it's not a laugh (laughs) (laughs) oh man (laughs) actually you know what can we pause for one second i just want to go and grab some water because i can feel my mouth getting a bit yeah 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 okay and by water i sort of mean wine (laughs) cool all right with that with uh, Jamie Brown um, and Jamie we were talking about how fucking exhausting this is um, <laughs> the, the podcast called what for I, I had the idea just before the pandemic and then the pandemic happened and it was just like another reason to be like what the fuck's the point <laughs> <laughs> and you more than most have a pretty solid excuse to, to, to feel like what the fuck that's the point. Um, like, what is this for? But within that pain, there is a mission that you've attached yourself to with more fervor than maybe anything you'd committed to before, as long as I've known you anyway. Anger is an energy, and, and you're channeling it towards a purpose in a way that I, I'm not sure you'd ever lived before. Yeah, this is probably... I don't know, I guess the most committed I've felt to anything outside of a relationship, really, or family. I had it pretty pretty easy growing up, generally unbelievably lucky and privileged, probably slowly, far too slowly, in truth, recognising that not everyone has it that way. This year in particular, to be kind of like slapped in the face by what a total mess we're in, it's felt like an opportunity to use a very like privileged position to actually do something to help. It felt sort of 
unavoidable really when when dad died just because it was so it was so very very clear that this is going to happen to those more people and it was so shit <laughs> uh it's just been so so crap and i would do i do anything to like spare other people from feeling the way the way i felt when when he died um but that was in that was actually in my means that that's like within my power i, I kind of couldn't believe it but in the wake of his death i spent most of my time either watching cartoons or staring kind of blankly out out of a window i didn't think people actually did it i didn't think i was this for real i thought this was like a a thing that that ryan gosling does in films um <laughs> like staring off into the middle distance but i i've lost i lost account of the number of times that i that she was lying on my bed curled up in a ball staring out the window looking at the pigeons completely flattened really at some point something sort of switched a bit and i i, I knew firstly that there would be other people feeling like that and if there were i wanted to find them i wanted to speak to them because i didn't know how to speak to anyone else about what i was going through personally i tried a few times but it's kind of hard to articulate and certainly pretty difficult to relate to then you know a few more press conferences later <laughs> uh and and it, it felt like i just needed to 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 where i could where i was lucky enough to be able to drag myself up and and try and make some noise about it and 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 share my experience and encourage other people to share theirs too. It's amazing how your metrics of time are <laughs> are news reports and press conferences. It's a shift in in your reality and your story. Not to sound twee and just like some wanker trying to trying to flog <laughs> his fucking <laughs> podcast. Yeah, back, back to back to the title. Back to the, yeah, you, look, forgetting. Mate. Could you just could you could you just end that little bit of with uh, and that's what for you're really not you're really not keeping with the script. <laughs> Fucking hell, Jamie. Where the fuck um, do we find this guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, we we met in a in a in a beer garden, and I referred to you as as a bloke. Is it a bloke who wears a suit on a train? Like, oh, because like, oh, that's the name of one of your poems. Um, what, what's the title? Uh, is that what falls first cliffhanger? I, I think it might be. And you're going to have to tune in next week to find out what that poem's called and listen to another poem Jamie wrote. And it's sick. So... You're going to have to see what that's like. Um, I'm so grateful to Jamie for being so generous with his time. Check out Jamie's work with COVID Justice UK. Um, it's incredible, it's important, and it needs support. And thanks, of course, to you wonderful listeners. This might be the most important episode we've done so far. Um, and so please share, like, subscribe, all, all those bits and bobs. They, they really do help. I'll see you next week. Stay safe, stay well, and look after each other.